Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. Good morning, Met Church. How are we doing this morning? Yes, awesome. So we're going to go a couple hours. There's no football today, so just get in and get ready. No, we are so glad that you're here, and congratulations, you made it through the great ice storm of 2023. You did it. You're here. So it was a few months back that um, I decided it was time for me to go get a checkup. Uh, My doctor that I'd had for years had moved to New Orleans and didn't even tell me, surprise. And so I had to find a new doctor. So I did some research, I found a doctor. And when I say that I decided to go, what I really mean is my wife told me I need to go to the doctor and get a physical. Um, And so I went to the doctor and I did the works, right? I got blood work and all that. And I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him and we're looking each other eye to eye because that's all I can see because he had a mask on. And so we're just staring into each other's eyes. And I said, doc, I know, I probably need to lose some LBs. I know that would make me healthier. That would help me, but I need your advice. I know, I know, but I just need to hear you say it. What do I need to do for a diet? What would you recommend? And he said, well, he said, we used to tell people that you should go on a super strict diet, very lean, cut out a lot of carbs. And what's gonna happen is you're gonna lose a lot of weight and people are gonna compliment you and you're gonna feel amazing about yourself. Um, But what we noticed is what would happen is you would gain it all back. It's kind of like a line graph, he said. He said it would go up, the ROI would be huge, right? And you would go up like a slide. But the thing about that is you would slide right back down. And I'm like, okay, I said, I I understand that. I I get what you're saying. I mean, because I've done that myself. Uh, There was a time that I went on a years ago, crazy strict diet, and I was working out six times a week, like pretty intensely. And I lost 26 pounds in one month. I mean, it was intense. I know some of you are like, I don't believe you. So I thought I'd just show you a little picture. There's me. Apparently, if you work out a lot, you get really tan just automatically and you glisten and it's, it's amazing. But let's take that off. I don't want these guys getting jealous. But I did, I knew what it was like because I did. I lost 26 pounds. I was feeling good. And what happened? I gained it all back. And so I was like, okay, doc, it makes sense to me because I've experienced that in my own life. But what now would you recommend for a diet since you don't recommend that anymore. And he said, what you need to do and what we tell people nowadays is you need to make small changes in your diet on a daily basis. He said, for instance, don't drink Dr. Pepper throughout the day. He said, for instance, don't eat dessert after every meal. And then I began to ask myself this question, how is my doctor a psychic and how does he know my diet so well? Because I never told him, is this in the blood work or what? But he said, make these small changes And over time, it will make a big impact. So I, hearing this, I started to think this is not only true for us physically in our health, but it's also true for us spiritually in our health. Listen to this in Ephesians 4.15. This is Paul speaking. He said, instead, speaking the truth in love, and can I just stop for a second? The word truth nowadays 
Um, it's thrown around a lot. I, I've heard this a lot about you find your truth and you find your truth. Here's what I know. If my truth doesn't match up to God's truth, then I just have a bad opinion. That's for free, okay? Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will say this word together, grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. You ever had somebody tell you to grow up? Like you said something pretty immature, like, oh, grow up. Guess what's happening right here? Paul is telling us it's time for us as believers to grow up. He's saying, grow up in your faith in Christ Jesus. You need to grow. You need to take steps. And the thing about the steps that we need to take is that it doesn't happen by chance and it doesn't stop until we die. See, there is a process called sanctification. And you, if you're a believer of Jesus, there's a moment in your life where you gave your life to, you accepted Jesus, you gave your life to him. You said, I want you, Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross, that you died for my sins, that three days later you rose from the dead. And today I want to give you my life. I wanna live for you. I wanna accept, I wanna believe, I wanna confess with my lips and I wanna become a follower of Jesus. When that moment happened in your life, the Holy Spirit of God came within you, okay? So the process starting from that day until the day you go to heaven is we are supposed to be spiritually transformed and it's called sanctification. Sanctification means this, to set apart for God's special use and purpose. This is the process to get to the progress. And so I thought it would be appropriate for to name uh, today's sermon, Trust the process. When it comes to the process of growing in our faith, most of us um, know spiritual steps that actually would help us, right? Most of us have been around church at some point. If you're here today, you're around church. You have heard things, you know things that you should probably do in your life that are gonna help you grow spiritually. But just because you know things doesn't mean you choose to do those things. You and I, we have a struggle within on making the right choices for Jesus or doing what is selfish. And here's the thing. We are not the only ones that struggle with this. You know, Paul in the Bible, uh, he, he was Saul, the persecutor of Christians. And he came and he met Jesus. He met Jesus face to face on the road to Damascus and his life was changed. And he went from killing Christians to being one of the main ones. He began to lead people and tell people about Jesus. He wrote 14 of the 27 books in the New Testament. Paul's the man, right? He's got it all together, right? And then we see this in Romans seven fifteen. I love it. I don't really understand myself. You ever said that to yourself? I really don't understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Have you ever related more to Paul than in that verse? I had a friend named Donnie. Anytime you would say something that he struggled with or that went into his life, you know, people say, I resent that comment. He would say, I represent that comment. Have you ever represented a comment more than what Paul just said right there? We can relate to what Paul is saying. I want to do what is right, but instead I do 
what I hate. This is the battle that we fight every day, the battle of sin. We have sin natures. You were born into this world as a sinner. We were born in this world separated from God. It, it's natural for us to want to sin. It's, it's deep down, it's in us. But when you become a follower of Jesus, guess what happens? Now you have the Holy Spirit deep down within you. We can relate because of this sin, sinful nature, the battle within for what is right and what is wrong. So what are some things that we can do to take steps to grow in our faith, to become more mature as we are called to become? And we're gonna be um, in a verse today in 2 Corinthians chapter three, starting in verse 18. So if you have your Bibles, I wanna encourage you to open those Bibles. And if you have your phone, it's on your phone. I wanna encourage you that if you don't have any of those with you, it's okay, we got you. It is gonna be on the screen. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Second Corinthians 3.18 says this, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. We're talking about transformation, being transformed into the image of Jesus. And transformation for us as believers is the process. And the process that we just learned is called sanctification. It's ongoing. It doesn't, it doesn't start. It starts when you become a Christian. It ends when you're no longer here. It goes the whole time. So we are all going through this process currently. Why? Because as believers of Jesus, he's not just our savior. He's our Lord, which means we want to live for him every day. So the first thing I want you to write down, if you're taking notes, is be compelled. Be compelled. Have motivation. I heard a pastor say this this past week, and I'm going to share it with you. So roll your pants leg up. It's going to get deep. Okay, here we go. It's going to blow your mind. He said, the thing about spiritual transformation is that it needs to be spiritual. I know, I know, I know. But, but think about it, isn't it so true? Spiritual transformation needs to be spiritual. And so the verse that we just read, we're gonna break this verse down. The first part says this, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image unveiled face. I don't know if you remember, but in the Old Testament, Moses was the only one allowed to see the glory of the Lord. He went up on the mountaintop and he met Jesus. I mean, he met Jesus. He met God face to face. He was there. And when he came down, do you remember what was going on with his face? It was shining really bright. It was freaking people out and they were running away. So what he had to do, he had to put the veil on his face. So who was, there's only one, right? One person who was able to see the glory of the Lord in the Old Testament. But what happened since then? Jesus came and now who can see the glory of the Lord? What does it say in the beginning? And we all, it's for all of us. We all get an opportunity to see the glory of the Lord, to behold it, to receive it, to accept it, to have it within us and we all with unveiled face. So what we need to do is we need to have our goal connect to our why, and it needs to be spiritual, okay? Second Corinthians 5.14 says this, for Christ's love 
compels us. It moves us. It motivates us. So what are some spiritual things that we can do together? Well, us as a church, we just finished 21 days of prayer and fasting. And a lot of you participated. We had over a thousand people register to be a part of this. And if you registered, it was awesome. Every day you would get a text and an email and it would have a scripture in there for you to read. Um, it would have a prayer for you to pray and it would have an action, something you could do that day that tied in with the scripture and the prayer. And so I got to talk to a lot of people um, uh, about what they were doing. And we thought it was so impactful. Now, I, we're praying about whether not just to do it once a year, but we're thinking about doing it twice a year as a church. But I thought I would share with you um, uh, some of the things that people talked to me about that they actually fasted from. So I have some props. I'm not carrot top, so don't get excited here. So the first thing is food. And I know it's Sunday and this is cruel to bring out this on a Sunday. But some people fasted from food, okay? Now, biblically, when they fasted, that's what it was. It was from food. They just didn't eat food at all. And in those times, they would spend time with the Lord. Um, and so I know some people, they would fast, like say breakfast. I talked to some people like, I'm just fasting breakfast every day. It's gonna give me opportunity to read my Bible a little more. Some people fasted from breakfast and lunch and just ate one meal a day. My family uh, together, we decided we were gonna fast from eating out at restaurants. Now, if you have kids, you understand this, but um, a lot of times it's not that difficult. My wife's a good cook. She loves, you know, our family. We always eat at the dinner table when we're at home. It's awesome but nothing gets more dialogue inside than when you're coming home from a seventh grade boys basketball game late at night on a Tuesday. Um, and you know, when you get home, you got, they got homework, they got showers, you got to clothes ready, you got to pack lunches. And the easy thing to do would be to do what? Yep, stop on the way home, right? No dishes, just throw it all away. I'm just gonna tell you, there is an, a struggle and a die. I, I was man, I was on this fast, but inside I'm driving. I'm like, all right, Lord. Now, if there's one place we could stop, it's gotta be where your chicken is, right? The Lord's chicken here. I think in my inside, I'm like, I think, I think you'd be okay with us breaking a little bit of the fast just to go to Chick-fil-A and make it so much easier. But I mean, that was real dialogue because my poor kids would be like, hey, what are we gonna eat on the way home? And I would just look at them. They'd be like, oh yeah, I forgot. Um, but that's what we did. Another thing that I talked to some people that they gave up, this is a huge one, television, okay? They gave up their, their TV time. How many of you, you're like us in the evening, the TV's always on, you may have your shows how many of you have shows? If you have kids, the kids go and you're like, all right, let's watch our show. Like we all have that, right? We probably spend hours um, watching the, the TV a lot. So somebody gave up this. I know some people would say, I'm just gonna turn the TV off like at 6.30. Like they had times they would turn off. Why would you do that? Maybe to spend some more time with your family or have more time to read or whatever it may be. Um, and then the last thing, it's something we all probably have and struggle with that I know people fast from some things on this is your phone. Um, and now you're probably thinking, oh, I can't, I have to talk to people. Right? I have to text, I have, to, I have my job, I have to do all that. Um, but what they would do is they would get off social media. Huge. How many of you, the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning, you go to social media and look? I'm the only one. Okay, forgive me, Lord. Um, Sometimes I just feel like it's me and you, God, uh, right here. 
So I, I knew people that gave up social media, which is a big deal for 21 days. My, my sweet son, he is 12, just turned 13. And we didn't want to pressure them, but we said, we're going to do this as a family. So we picked one thing as a family, but we wanted them to have individual things. And he actually gave up playing games on his phone for 21 days, which if you have a teenager, you know that is huge. And so why would we give up these things? Because these are not they could be bad, but they're not necessarily bad things. These could be good too, right? So these aren't necessarily just bad things. Why would we give up things in our life and say no to these? And the reason is this, so we can say yes more to Jesus. So in these times when we're not eating out and I'm having that inner dialogue and talking to Jesus about, please, just one waffle fry, I think it's okay. It makes me think and it makes me think, you know what, why am I doing this is because this makes me think about God and why I'm doing it. And so I'm connecting to him. The TV, you're not watching the screen or this screen all the time, which gives you time to spend with your family or spend time reading God's word or spend time in prayer or doing something together that's gonna bring you closer to God. And so you're saying no to these things so you can say yes to Jesus. And so what we need to do in these times is find things, find your goal, find the reason why you're doing this and then put a why to it. Okay. But not only put a why to it. Remember, why are we being transformed? That verse said, because we behold the glory of God. He is our why and the goal is being transformed to be more like him. Connecting the goal to the why. So if God is our why, let's connect things in our life to God's purpose. I'm going to give you some examples. We all know as the church, we should go to on a weekly basis where? The church, right? We should attend church faithfully. That's something that you, most of us know. We should do this. So going to church faithfully, here is a, that's your goal. Here's your why, Hebrews 10. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, Okay. So what is the goal? Not neglecting to meet together. And it's interesting how it says after, as is the habit of some. Can we just be real this morning? COVID put a hurting on people wanting to go to church. And I get it because watching church in your pajamas is awesome. I, I mean, there was a time when staff, we, weren't, we couldn't even come. Like we had to stay at home. And so I'm at home watching Poor Pastor Bill preached to an empty room. Can you imagine that? Um, I mean, it feels that way sometimes, but I can, can you imagine? And so Bill's up here preaching. I'm at home in my pajamas eating toast saying, good job, Bill. Yeah, great, right? I get it. But this says, not neglecting to meet together. We know we should do this. We know this is something that's gonna help us grow in our faith. So let's tie it to a why. And he says, why should we do it? so we can stir one another up to love and good works and encourage one another. You and I are not supposed to do life alone. As followers of Christ, we are supposed to do life together so we can encourage each other, so we can spur each other on to do good things for Jesus. We need to make the purpose, the, the goal, and we need to connect it to the why to make it spiritual. What about getting healthier? And trust me, I convicted, okay? I knew Jesus was talking to me on this. Okay, so what is the goal is to get healthier? Why? Watch this. 
because my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells within me. Wouldn't I want my temple to be the best it could possibly be for my God, my Savior, and my Lord? Make it about that. I wanna honor God with the temple that he gave me. Being healthier, connected to being, being the temple, and that makes it spiritual. Your finances. I know, touchy subject in church. We've all heard messages and preachers where it seemed like all they wanted was our wallets. Let's make it, let's make it connected to what God wants. Think of it this way. Everything I have comes from God. And I wanna be a good steward of what he has given me. So I don't wanna just pay my bills and have stuff, but I wanna use my finances to honor God. I wanna spend every cent that he has given me to watch over while I'm here. And I wanna, I wanna be smart with it. I wanna give it to ministry. I wanna help people in need. I wanna do things with my finances that I believe is gonna honor God. And what does that do? That makes it spiritual. What about these last two? the TV and the phone. Well, think of it this way. God is love. We are called to love one another. Think about it. How loving is it if we go home and we spend hours on the screens instead of spending quality time with our spouses and with our families? I mean, we all struggle with this. Y'all, I'm preaching to the choir here because I'm on my phone too. I I heard a podcast of a Fortune 500, um, like he started the business, like he was the man. And he said this, he goes, I used to think that I was so important that when I went home, I had to be on my phone the whole time until I realized I was neglecting my family. He said, so what I started to do is I would get home and before I walked in, I would check my email one more time. And then I would just let it go. If it wasn't urgent, I, didn't, I wouldn't respond. He goes, I would go into my house. I would go, I would change. I would get, go to the bathroom and I'd put my phone in the bathroom. So I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't gonna mess with it. And then he said, I would go at 7.45. I would hang out with him, 7.45. I'd go check my phone one more time. He said, you know what I realized? I'm not as important as I thought I was. <laughs> I think we need to do things like that. I think we need to make things spiritual so we can see all that God has given us right in front of us instead of ignoring it, making bad decisions, making wrong decisions when we are ignoring the blessings that God has given us. So in order to see spiritual transformation, say it with me, it has to be spiritual. There we go. So find God's purpose and let that be what compels you and what motivates you. The second thing is this, stay continuous. Stay continuous, have movement. The verse continues on, it says, and we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from, get this, from one degree of glory to another. Is is one degree major or is it small? It's small. It reminded me of a story in the early 2000s, the British cycling team, uh, they hired a guy named Dave Brelsfield. And the reason they hired him is because their team had been mediocre for over a hundred years. They had won one gold medal and it was in 1908. I mean, it, it was rough. They never won the Tour de France, which is 
the race, right? And in, in cycling. Um, they also, they realized it was so bad when they went to the major bike uh, manufacturer and they put in an order for 200 bikes and they, came, they wouldn't even give them like a quote because they said it was gonna be bad business if other cyclists saw their team on their product. I mean, it had hit the bottom. And so they brought Dave in and they said, Dave, what are you going to do to change our program? What are you gonna do to make us winners? And he said, well, I have a plan and it's called the aggregation of marginal gains. Aggregation of marginal gains. He said, we are gonna do 1% improvement over um, nearly everything we do, 1%. And they were like, okay, well, how, how are you gonna do that? And so he said, well, I, they said he started telling them things that they expected, right? He said, well, we're gonna get, we're gonna get different tires. We're gonna get lighter tires that are gonna make us faster. We're gonna get ergonomic seats for each rider that's gonna be the perfect fit. We're gonna switch um, our outdoor like riding gear with our indoor gear because it's actually lighter and I think it's gonna make us faster. We're gonna do biofeedback monitors on each athlete. And so when they train, we're gonna know which training works best for each athlete. And they were like, okay, that's great. And that makes sense. And then he started naming some things that they would have never thought of. He said, one thing we're gonna do is we're gonna test different massage gels. Weird, huh? We're gonna test it to see which gel works best for recovery on each athlete. He said, another thing we're gonna do is we're gonna teach our riders how to wash their hands properly. Do you know we don't know how to do that, apparently? Uh, wash your hands properly. And what this is gonna help is gonna cut down on infection, but also spreading a sickness around. So if somebody gets sick, the whole team doesn't get sick. And then one of the last things he said is we're gonna do tests on pillows for each rider so they can find the perfect pillow that's gonna help them get the best rest. Does anybody else have a good pillow like me? Like you have a pillow and you can't sleep without it. Are you over the age of 40? Can I just, okay. Those are my people. Toes are my people. So he had all these things and he told them, if we could do all these 1% improvements, we are gonna win the Tour de France within five years. Ooh, pretty bold statement. Well, I can just tell you he didn't do it in five years. He actually did it in two years. His second year, they won the Tour de France. They repeated the third year. The, the next year they missed it and then they won two in a row. But the culmination, the big thing was in 2012 at the London Olympics where the British team gets us. They won 70% of the gold medals available all because of 1% improvements. Small improvements, tiny habits, little choices unlock something bigger. One of the greatest coaches ever that a lot of people would say in college basketball is John Wooden. He won 10 national championships in 12 seasons at UCLA. And every, every player he got, um, they were all, all Americans in high school. They were the best of the best. But I want you to notice what he does with each freshman when they first came in. The first thing that he taught them, he would sit them all down, make them take off their socks and their shoes. And then he would go and he would teach them, first of all, how to put their socks on properly. The next thing he would do is he would teach them how to lace up a basketball shoe, how to put it on and how to tie it correctly. Small thing, but he knew that this small thing would help them from getting blisters. It would help them from twisting ankles. And these would be things that could save their season. Listen to what he says. It's the little details that are vital. 
Little things make big things happen. First John 2, 6 says this, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. How do you walk? One step at a time. It's small, it's little things. So I wanna ask you this morning, what's things in your life where you can make a one degree change? One degree, small. What is something that you can take on in your day that would make a one degree difference? But that one degree of difference would be a degree that points you to Jesus. One degree, one step, one day at a time. Do things that are gonna help you focus a little more on Jesus. And once you start making those changes that connect you to God, the third thing, if you're writing this down is this, remain connected, remain connected. The verse goes on, it says, so we'll read it again. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And then it says, for this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. John 15, five says, remain in me and I will remain in you. In order to have the power, we must stay connected to the source. And that source is the Lord. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. And the cool thing is when it's specific to the spirit, when you become a follower of Christ, the spirit of God comes within you, which means this, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. There's no greater power, no greater source, nothing in this world that you need besides the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you to get you through anything, to take steps in spiritual maturity. Whatever it may be that you're dealing with, you have the power because you have the Spirit of God within you. Endless power to take on the things of this sinful world and what is thrown at you. But do you remember the struggle that we looked at earlier with our man, Paul? Remember what he said? Like, I don't really understand myself. I wanna do what is right, but I do what I hate. I didn't finish all of that because I thought it would be cool to come back and, and show you what it says later. And it's, it's not on the screen because I just wanted to read it to you so you could just hear it. So he says that, I don't really understand myself or I wanna do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. <laughs> and get, I want you to hear what this makes him feel like. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. You ever met that person? Oh, what a miserable person I am. And then he asks the question, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin in death. And then he says, thank God. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You're looking for the answer in your life. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You're struggling Maybe your marriage is rough right now. Maybe you're whatever. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. You wanna make 
some moves in your life to help you grow spiritually and become more mature in your faith? The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Stay connected to the answer. Stay continuous one degree, one degree at a time and do it because you behold the glory of the Lord. Now, I didn't wanna leave um, today without giving you a couple of things, encourage you in some action steps. I'm very practical. I need somebody like the doctor. Doctor, tell me what you want me to eat. That's what I need. And so I wanna, I wanna give you some things that I think could be helpful. And I have two, right? So the first one is be generous. Be generous. Start with being generous with your time. Be generous with your time with your spouse. Be generous with your time with your kids, with your family. Be generous with time in your community. Be generous with your time at your church. I have a 13-year-old who is in Met Youth and I have a 10-year-old who is in Met Kids and there's nothing more that I would love to have than an adult in their life who's gonna point them to Jesus. Not to preach to them every week, um, but to sit there and show up every week. And when they have questions or if they wanna talk about something, even though they may not have all the answers, they're gonna say, hey, I don't know, but let's talk about this more. Let's pray about this. I, I'm, I'm here for you. My voice will wane. It'll wane and somebody else is gonna gain. Trust me, I'm around my, my son's friends sometimes, seventh grade boys. I don't want their voice being what he hears, Okay. And so if you wanna do something that impacts eternity, be a small group leader in Met Kids or Met Youth. I was a youth pastor for over eight years here at the Met and I interviewed and talked to a ton of people and I would tell them all the time because they would say, ah, I'd say, you'd, you'd be awesome small group leader. You'd be awesome. And they'd say, ah, I just don't think I can. I'm like, why not? Like, well, I just don't know enough. I wouldn't, I can't preach. I'm like, don't preach. I don't want you to preach. Can you show up faithfully and encourage kids in their faith. And they're like, yeah, you would be awesome. Let me just tell you this, Pastor Scott and I talk about this. Um, if you're really good at your job because you've been gifted with certain things and you're good at your job, use those gifts for the kingdom and you're gonna see them two times, three times, four times as good. You think you're good at your job? Do it in the church and see what God does. It's gonna change your life. So be, be generous, serve. The other thing is be generous and give, give. Remember what changed my life and my finances is I realized this wasn't my money. It's easier to give. If somebody gave you a million dollars and they said, you got to spend this in one day. I believe there was a movie with Richard Pryor back in the day. You shouldn't watch it probably, but there was. Brewster's Millions and he was given this money. He had to spend it in one day and he couldn't even do it. It was so hard to spend all that money. How awesome would that be? I think I could do that. But when it's your money, it's different. Remember what's yours, God has given to you. Be generous with it. So be generous. The second thing is this, be intentional. Be intentional. Find those little things, the one degree at a time and be intentional about growing in those things. 1%, one degree every day. Two things you can look at. Um, most of you probably have it. The YouVersion Bible app is awesome. It's free. There's a scripture every day that you can look at and maybe that's where you start. There's devotionals, there's plans, anything you wanna learn about, you can just type it in and I guarantee you there's a Bible study for it. So utilize that tool, utilize that. Even if it's just for a couple seconds, minutes, whatever it may be a day, make sure you do that. And the other thing is, and we have a slide for it. We have a great resource for you. 
um, from the Met. It's free. So if you have your phone and you want to do this, um, it is Right Now Media. And there are thousands, I'm saying thousands of Bible studies, of sermons, of tools that could help you in your growth. So you can just scan that or you can text um, the Met to 49775. It's free. This is for you guys. Use this resource. It could be a tool that can help you take that one degree at a time. And then we're gonna leave that up. Just leave that up for a second. So if y'all wanna scan that. But I didn't wanna end there. I wanted to end because I've, I know I've lived this. I've struggled with this. There have been times in my life where I was gung-ho, living for the Lord, devotional every day. And then there was times in my life where I just, just kind of took a break and I, and I saw what happened. I, I felt different. I felt more alone. I felt disconnected. It's gonna happen, but I wanna share this verse with you. It's John 1, 16. It says, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in the place of grace already given. Our God is a very graceful God and he gives and he gives and we mess up and he gives and he forgives and he's got grace upon grace. I want you to hear that because maybe you're gonna get gung-ho and maybe a week down the road. Did you know that New Year's resolutions end most of them end on the second Friday of January. That's why your gym gets more people and then it empties out after a couple of weeks, two weeks. So I wanna encourage you, if you stop, start again. Think about it this way. If you miss a meal, are you gonna stop eating? No, All right? We're gonna eat later on. Think of the same way when it comes to your growth, spiritual growth, spiritual transformation, and you reading God's word because God's word is food for your soul. It's, it's there for you. So if you go and then you take a break, remember, don't feel bad. There's so much grace given by God. Just get back the next day, eat the next meal, read the next day and don't wait. How many of you have started a diet, but you wait till Monday to start? Here's my new, here's my new saying I've been telling myself. I didn't get fat on Monday. I don't have to wait till Monday to lose weight. Each day, grow. Each day, take a step. Each day, connect with your source and see what God's gonna do in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for, God, thank you for Paul. Thank you for the vulnerability um, of the struggle that he has that we can relate to. Um, God, I pray that in those moments where we have that struggle, we remember as followers of Christ, we have the spirit of the living God within us. We have all the power we will ever need because it's your power to get through anything we're going through. God, I pray each day we decide to connect with you. I pray each day that we find things in our life that we can change just one degree and that degree points towards you. God, may we be compelled by the glory of the Lord that we have within us. And God, each day, may we live for you. May we make a difference and may you receive all the glory and all the honor. Thank you for your word. May it change us. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.